Huzzah! I'm Spider, and welcome to the Jacks Rangers, a New England Free Jacks podcast. And here is your host, Phil Harris. Yeah! Huzzah, Rangers. This is Phil Harris again here at the Jacks Rangers show, broadcasting from the beautiful Manchester, New Hampshire, in the Granite Outpost. Your New England Free Jacks are the current record holders for the most consecutive wins in Major League Rugby. How does it feel? It feels good to be good. Let's get right into this episode right now. Episode 39, presented by Stormalong American Hard Cider. Woo! Saddle up, Rangers. Let's ride into episode 39. We're calling this one Power. The lineup will be as follows. We've got Bozo 6, and then the Outrider segment with Dave, which will be the Utah Review and the DC Preview. And then finally, we've got an interview with DC Superfan and also the founder of Rugby Morning, John Fitzpatrick. So I really enjoyed my conversation with him. Wanted to talk about Storm Along American Hard Cider, which is the primary sponsor sponsor of the Jacks Rangers show real quick. Storm Along Cider, real craft hard cider made in Massachusetts. A Massachusetts-based craft hard cider company producing a wide range of ciders focused on apple quality and character. Use promo code TJRS for 10% off your first online order at their website stormalong.com. Get their cider delivered right to your door or check out their locator to find locations where you can find Storm Along near you. Just want to throw in there that I had an excellent time prior to the Utah game, hanging out with all the Rangers and the Continentals. And then, of course, at the game, really enjoyed being in the stands in Section 5, which is the most rowdy section of all, which is right at the middle of the pitch there, guys, on the 50-meter line. You know, I think that's really becoming the go-to place for the rowdy Rangers and Continentals out there. If you want to be loud and noisy and, and cheer on your free jacks, Section 5 is the place for you. I bring that up because we have heard as season tickets holders that we will be able to renew starting recently going until I believe mid-May. We will be able to renew at the current price that we're at for our season tickets, but you can move where you're sitting if you would like. So I suggest everybody that wants to be a little rowdy and loud throughout the entire game to come join us in Section 5 if there's any opening in those, those seats there in Section 5. That's where you will be the most welcomed as a Ranger or a Continental in Section 5. All right, let's get right into the episode here. Really appreciate you riding along with us throughout these episodes. Here we are at episode 39, almost through the the regular season, just got a couple more games here to go and an interesting one here against DC. So let's start out here with the Bozo 6 rapid reactions and picks with my brother, Chris Lind, who is on fire right now uh, with his predictions. Let's get right into it right now here on the Jacks Rangers show. Huzzah, baby. Woo! Huzzah, Rangers. This is Phil Harris again here at the Jacks Rangers show. Welcome to the segment that we call Bozo 6. Bozo, how the hell are you? I'm undefeated in round 13, Phil. I'm feeling great. <laughs> ah, the master once again shows his class. And I see. I noticed that you're wearing the uh, Army West Point uh, polo there. Uh, That's tell right. us about Congratulations. Their... Yeah, there you go. Yeah, congratulations to Army. They defeated St. Mary's College in the D1A National Championship. Obviously, I'm in the Army, so I'm repping. I never played for Army rugby, wasn't smart enough to go to school there, wasn't a good enough rugby player either. But uh, 
shout out to the brothers 15. Uh, if you know, you know. Very so. cool. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, congratulations to them. This is the first time winning it, if I recall correctly, since the, the competition got started in 1980, I think it was. Yep. Yep. Their first time. I mean, they've always been uh, over the last, I mean, since I've been following rugby, they've always been a kind of a top 10 team, but they were always like on the outside of the top five, a fringe good team. Like they right. could put in some good wins, but never, never class enough to, to go for a deep playoff run. And man, what a run it was. They beat Lindenwood. Yeah. They beat a lot of good clubs in, in the lead up to that. It was, it was a great win. Very good. proud of them. It's pretty awesome. Good for them. Uh, let's switch gears here over to MLR. Um, and I'm going to pull Yeah, up. let's storm right along here. Let's storm right along. Exactly. We've got some results to cover here. I don't know what the hell is going on with the format here. So let me refresh my screen. That was weird. Let me see. Let's switch over to results. And uh, yeah, the first one here that I'm seeing is the one that just took place. If I recall, this was Austin Jabronis at home against Seattle Seawolves 17 to six in favor of Austin. Yeah, I picked the AGs to win, obviously undefeated, so all my picks won. Um, I watched this one start to finish, man. It seemed like nobody wanted the ball. Uh, I lost count at like over a dozen turnovers in the lineout for both teams. Um, a lot of cheek, like two cheeky tries from Austin called back on top-notch Champagne officiating. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable stuff from this officiating crew. I hope that that's the three for the MLR final. My goodness, um, I, forget, I forget what his name is. He's usually in the middle. He was playing touch and he was basically responsible for the two callbacks and he was laser accurate. They did the replay and exactly what he said happened, happened. It was unbelievable. Good stuff. Like a pulling of the Jersey, uh, enabled in Austin to try. Another one was, um, their hooker, Austin hooker took the ball out of like a, uh, from contact, but he was in front of the other player, like unbelievable stuff. Yeah. So good for the jabronis. They won at home. Kind of sucks for Seattle because they're fighting for that third playoff spot. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I just don't – I mean, it didn't really matter. I think the jabronis could still drop a, a couple of games and still make the playoffs, unfortunately. I feel so. bad for Seattle, but, um, you know, it is what it is. I think uh, Rucky was thinking that I was making the picks. So, Rucky, if you're listening, it's not me that's picking against Seattle. It's Bozo, this guy right here below me. It's me. It's me. Yes. Um, so <laughs> let's – Let's switch gears to Hoboken, which is a dry stadium. This is getting a little bit of traction online because I think people thought I was joking when I told them that that uh, a JFK Stadium in Hoboken is dry. You can't buy alcohol there, which is a total bummer. But by the way, you can get Stormalong unfiltered this weekend at the uh, the game against DC at Fort Quincy for five dollars. That's it. Five smackaroos will get you this delicious beer. Um, so let's talk about rugby New Jersey against NOLA. Final score on this, 36 to 28. Unfortunately, rugby mm-hmm. New Jersey shows their class here. Yeah, you know what? Um, so I watched this one in two segments. So the game had already ended, but I didn't spoiler alert it for myself. I mm-hmm. watched the first half. It was all New Jersey. They were in complete control, brother. I think it was like 31 to um, seven or something like that. It was insane. The scoreline, I'm like, oh, man, they're beating the brakes off them again. The game over for NOLA. Thank God mm-hmm. I didn't pick them on upset alert. Yeah. And then NOLA out of nowhere makes it a game. Um, New Jersey put in a try at the end to make it a little bit more distant, but this one was super close at the end. I don't know where Nola found the flame, but they did. Unfortunately, just wasn't enough to get him across the finish line. And unfortunately, New Jersey takes that win and stays solidly in third place in the East. 
Yeah. Um, hate to see it, but it, it was kind of expected. By the way, uh, Nolo has signed their head coach to a two-year extension. Okay. Uh, that's interesting. But we'll move right along to the Dallas yeah. White Flags, excuse me, the Dallas Jackals, uh, <laughs> at Choctaw Stadium in their home stadium there against um, San Diego Legion. 14-53 to 53 big win for the Legion. Yeah, the only comment that I have on this one is I watched uh, probably the first 20 minutes until San Diego started beating the brakes off of them. Um, Dallas was like jumped all over San Diego within like the first two minutes, petered out, and then that was pretty much it. Uh, the floodgates opened. I was hoping that, um, you know, that's when I kind of turned it off because I was like, oh, man, Dallas is down in the toilet. Uh, Dallas actually kind of held strong and didn't let it get a runaway dangerous blowout. But the coolest thing to come out of this match was a uh, – um, where were they then and where are they now? Kale Hodgson mm-hmm. uh, with uh, Rob Shaw, a picture of a young oh, Kale Hodgson. Cool. He must, he got to be like 13 years old in the picture yeah, yeah. with Rob Shaw at, How- at Harlequins over in England and now uh-huh. playing against each other in MLR. That was the coolest thing out of that game. Sorry for anything <laughs> else, dude. So. We'll, we'll skip over our game for a moment here and go to rugby yeah. ATL, a.k.a. Atlanta, uh, at home against L.A. Gilweenies. This was 19-31. to 31. L.A. traveling to Atlanta, but still – beaten up on rugby Atlanta. Yeah. A very physical match. Like we had predicted like two physical teams. Like I think these are probably two of the most physical teams in MLR, if not the two most physical teams. Um, But it was really the tale of two halves, right? So um, I forget what the halftime score was, but um, the Gilweenies scored all of their points in the first half and were shut out in the second half. Interestingly enough, red card for Hanko Germishais, Hopefully I pronounced his name right. Anyways, got it. Um, it was an interesting encounter, um, but Atlanta was letting in, I thought, some really soft tries. Um, I mean, credit to Los Angeles. They finished. When you give the L.A. Guillotinis a chance, they will score a try on you. They will finish, mm-hmm. and they're going to play really tough defense. Uh, so it's going to be hard to beat them. Uh, the only, you know, we didn't want anyone to win this game, but the only, I guess the best positive that came out of this game is the fact that Finally, the bonus point machine that is Rugby ATL was held from no points. They got nothing. So they might as well have had a bye week. They made no (laughs) progress on the table towards us, which is great because we see them in two weeks' time. And if we deliver them another L, it'll put us probably – that might actually – That should seal uh, the deal. That should seal the deal. Yeah, first place. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So it gives us good, good chances. So I was happy for that. Yeah. And finally, at Fort Quincy, your New England Free Jacks, 33, Utah Warriors, 17. Yeah, just like we went over, like we, we knew we weren't going to keep them out of the try zone. We knew that this is a talented team that can throw the ball around, um, but really aimless in attack. And so they never really put anything uh, substantive together. I think also one of the tries came. Um, I mean, it was an, an excellently well-worked try. Uh, but I believe it came pretty much out on the wing when we were down Paula Balancana late yes. in the match. So, I mean, really like a 33 to 10 is more, more of the score line. Uh, uh, just some kind of sloppy stuff at the end. I thought we were, we were trying for too much to put a, to put a stamp on them. I mean, you can't fault the boys for that, but just kick the balls out of bounds. Boys take, take the five points and let's walk. Uh, Ozo Kenny, got no hair left to give, man. I really yeah. don't have any more hair left to give. And no, Phil's I, losing it too, man. Yeah, for Come sure. It, it's 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 going it's going down by the day in terms of the hair uh, growth there. But in you know in the stands, Kenny and I were yelling, "Kick it out, kick it out!" You don't have to impress anybody. Kick it out. But uh, we'll move right along here. Storm right along. Excuse me. 
we're storming right along to the um, round 14. And the first yeah. game in round 14, it's a Friday game, I think. No, excuse me. It's a Saturday game. Uh, no, yes. It, nope. Good it's Friday, a Saturday right? game. It's a Saturday game. Um, sure? Yes, because today's the first, and Saturday will be the seventh. Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought it was a Friday night game for some reason. I think you're thinking yeah. of uh, the week after that. Oh, that's right. Yep. Yeah, because I saw your post. Yeah. All right. Yep. You're right. Sorry, you threw me out there. <laughs> no, you got we're me. good. We're good. We're good. All right. So uh, this is actually going to be on FS2. That's awesome. Very exciting stuff. Our New England Free Jacks. Actually, we'll skip over this one. What am I talking about? Um, Utah <laughs> Warriors at home against Rugby ATL. Who you got? Yeah, this one's uh, another battle of uh, black and red teams, but Rugby ATL goes on the road, and uh, it's going to be probably a similar scoreline to our game against the Utah Warriors. Utah will score a couple of probably nifty tries, uh, but that'll be that, and Rugby ATL will probably take five points from this one unfortunately look for the right. bonus point win from hcl all right and then um at home toronto arrows against rugby new jersey so we have we did not see wasaki naholo this week uh for new jersey but their wheels came off in the second half they were a different team against the nola gold and toronto put in a really gritty performance against them i also think that coming off the bye week toronto will be very embarrassed with themselves after their last performance in houston a couple of weeks back if you remember i was very harsh in my criticism of them yes. i think that they'll have corrected the ship they've already beat new jersey once i'm gonna go arrows up let's go beat new jersey retake that third spot baby lfg I, I love the I love the pick. You know, uh, I'm no big Toronto Arrows fan by any means, but I support two teams truly in the MLR. It's it's the New England Free Jacks and whoever the hell plays rugby New Jersey. That's how I see it. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. And we got the Gilchrist Bowl once again. L.A. Gilweenies at home in L.A. against Austin Jabronis. Who you got? Yeah, this one could very well be for first place out west. Um, the jabronis beat him last time i forget the score line but i'm pretty sure it was within seven it was a very close match um i still think that the gilweenies are without ie the the backs coach slash right. fly half mm -hmm. i think he's got a couple more this uh, this you got round 14 and 15 to sit out um but you know what i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with the weenies i think the weenies take down the jabronis and and I'm sticking with my pick. I've, I've been telling y'all for weeks now, this team is on an upward march towards first place. I don't think they take their eyes off the ball at all. Uh, the, the jabronis looked disjointed and frankly disturbed and deranged against <laughs> a pretty terrible sea wolves who are equally as bad. So, and, and the guillotinis looked impressive. They didn't score in the second half, but they're on the road going across the country to Atlanta. So, I'm going to take the Gilweenies in that one. All right. But a tight then, encounter. Okay, fair enough. San Diego Legion at home atop of the parking garage against uh, Houston Sabercats. Who you got? Man, this is a pick em. I have no idea. Phil, who do you got? <laughs> what, what, um, Phil, do you got a coin? Can you flip it for me? I don't have a coin in front of me, unfortunately, but I'm just going to say that Houston wins. That's my guess. <laughs> yeah. I, you, know, I, you, know, in a, you know, I would love to – this is like the battle for third place. Like this – the winner of this this match could very well take down third place with Seattle losing in, in round 13. Um, but I, I'm going to go with you. I think Houston is still kind of who we thought they might be after week mm -hmm. one. I mm -hmm. still think that they're a solid outfit. I think they go on the road and, and take out the Legion. I'm, I'm really not 
impressed with San Diego. I've watched them play multiple matches now this season. And I just, again, I'm, I'm not that impressed with, you know, I'm like all GSP over here. If you know, I'm not impressed with your performance. Like I'm just not. <laughs> so go um, Houston. One thing to keep in mind about San Diego is uh, four, three out of four of their best players are over 35 years old guys. So, I mean, you know, when you, when you got old guys playing on your team, you got to rest them from time to time, or, you know, their performance is not going to be great throughout the long, uh, long stretch, great players, no doubt about it, but they're getting mm. a little old, you know, unfortunately. That's it. Yeah. So um, Seattle Seawolves at home against the Dallas white flags, AKA the Dallas Jackals. Yeah. It's a bonus point win for Seattle. Five <laughs> points on the table. Sorry, Easy. Dallas. I, yeah, easy money easy right pick. There. Dallas yep. doesn't win a game this season unfortunately and I, honestly I think that's bad for the league that's not good for yes, anybody in the you're world, right but it is what it is and you, and nobody's gonna throw a game out here so all right Especially Seattle finally at Fort Quincy your New England Free Jacks against Old Glory DC which is a horrible name everybody talks about the other bad names in this league Old Glory DC is an awful name and they stole mm. our colors so I really do not like them. I know it's punching down, and I shouldn't say this because they're they're not a very good team. They've only won two games, but to hell with it. I hope we I hope we win them by ninety points. I don't think that's going to happen, but mm. Jack's by nine. Yeah, I mean, listen. So the red, white, and blue bowl, the return match. They're they're coming up to see us this time. Um, right. We played them what it was like week two on the mm-hmm. road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. so it's it's been a while since we've seen these boys. I think they've turned a corner. Um, in the in their season, they're coming off the bye week. They're coming to see us. It's a short road trip. Um, I think they're going to give us a hard time. I really do. Yeah. Uh, they're they're pesky. Danny Tusatala is a sniper. The guy is unbelievable. Um, I think they're finally starting to put some things together. I just don't think that it's enough. We've got too much depth. I mean, we could. That that's for other segments to go over, like you know the lineup and the tactics. But I think we're just too much for them. To be I, to be quite honest, uh, I, I don't agree. know if it's a bonus point win. I hope it is. Um, I think that you know they're terrible on defense. I don't think they're very good. So I think four tries is wouldn't be hard to get. Um, but you never know. They're they're pesky, and we don't know what the weather's going to be like, and all that other stuff. So, yeah. but yeah, yeah, take the free jacks in this one for sure. I agree a thousand percent. I don't think we'll win by ninety, but I hope we, that we do because again, I just I, I'm a, so annoyed with Old Glory DC in many many facets. But all well, right, we're in uh, a record breaking mood, Phil. We just set the record for most <laughs> right. wins, so maybe we break the points record this time. Yeah. I I don't see it, but that'd be crazy. Crazy things. Let's have hang happened. ninety on them at Fort Quincy and have a, a, a hell of a time. Hang ninety on them. I need yeah. a meme on that, Phil. Phil <laughs> all right, hang ninety on them. Stat. I'll work on it right after the segment here. Any uh, musings that you went through uh, to come up with these picks this time around, Bozo? Nah, this time I just did some ye old fashioned homework and I, I got back to my watching every MLR match uh, ways. Beautiful. So I think at this point in the season, we kind of know who everybody is. So, you know, as much as I like to smirk and smile at how good my picks are, I mean, they're not really that hard to pick sometimes. Some of these teams right. aren't, aren't pretty good. Some of the matches, you know, could go either way. We'll see, like, you know, this this round, I think the match to watch for sure is definitely uh, the Gilcrest Bowl if you're just an MLR at large fan. Obviously, there's a Free Jacks fan podcast. Most of y'all are going to be at the game, so see you there. Yeah. Uh, but if you're going to watch, if you're going to go be a casual, as you would call them, if you're going to go be a, or a neutral, sorry. Yes, right? Is it neutral it. or casual? Neutral, neutral, yep. It's a neutral, right? So if you're going to be a neutral, casual fan of mlr watch the gill weenie bowl or gill gillcrest bowl or whatever the hell yeah yeah there you go get your gillcrest lager or something i don't know 
<laughs> yeah, the Gillies Lager. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Get a Gillies and crack one for the crack one for Adam. All right. Uh, all right. This is uh this has been a fun one, Bozo. I appreciate your time. We're gonna say one word to get out of here in three, two, one. Huzzah! Huzzah. Woo! Nice. Huzzah, Rangers. This is Phil Harris again here at the Jacks Ranger Show. I am joined once again by Big Brain Diamond Dave. Dave, how the hell are you? I'm doing very well, Phil. Very well indeed. How are you? Not too bad, man. You know, it's it's always good to get a win under a belt once again. Um, it's nice to be at Fort Quincy again, of course, for this stretch here of home games. Um, the weather was nice too. Uh, you know, you would come in with a late uh, entry for uh, the name of the episode here, <laughs> episode thirty nine, presented by Storm Along with uh, Walking on Sunshine. I believe it was. Yeah, that's what I said. That's how I felt on Saturday. Yeah, it was. It, that's a, actually a really good one, but we went with power on this one because DC is coming into town. DC, the really world hub of power, if you think about it, uh, yeah. right now in the world. So, yeah, um, you know, what was your overall thoughts before we get too far into the actual review of the game? Let's talk about. Let's back it up a little bit. We did have a really good event that took place on Thursday night of last week. It was the State of the Free Jacks address for the season ticket holders and founding members. What was your overall impression of that event? Uh, I was really impressed by um, the leadership group on the team, both on the ownership side and the, on the, you know, on the field side. How many professional sports ownerships group ownership groups will sit down with? I don't know how many people were there. 100, 200 season ticket holders. Yeah, and um, answer questions, you know, about the organization and and strategy and business and, and just be as direct and open as they were mm-hmm. um, it was really cool to hear them talk about um how they think about the free jacks things like the ownership group talking about their goal being to break even initially that mm-hmm. that was an imp- really important to them to have enough revenue to yeah. you know be covering expenses and things like that um they didn't hammer on about that they, they honestly just touched on it very briefly eric anderson Um, but it's the kind of thing that you just don't see, uh, in other sports and even in other MLR teams, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, to, to my knowledge, it's pretty unprecedented. Um, it was, it was really, really very cool. Uh, they talked about the gold USA golden Eagles, the organization that John Bobbitt runs, he was up there. Um, and they, they fund the U S national men's and women's teams to the tune of about one and a half million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. And that's funding the teams get that doesn't come through USA rugby. Um, and so is available for actually getting stuff done. And that, you know, that all arose from uh, a conversation between Bobbitt and mags about, uh, you know, a very frank conversation many years ago about like, why does our national team, why does our sevens team suck? Yeah. And Max said, because we don't have any money. We can't train. <laughs> right. We can't, yeah. you know, pay strength people, you know, all these things that you got to have money to do. You got to have money to put players in the same place and have them train. You got to pay people to keep them healthy and keep them, you know, learning and growing. Yep. Um, so it was, it was just a really neat, really neat opportunity. Gary Gold was there. Gary freaking Gold gave mm-hmm. a little speech um, in between the ownership group and the players group. Um, he had... Uh, just a, a lot of, of different interesting information. He talked about, um, you know, he said he thinks that the free decks are going to go all the way. That was very interesting. Yeah, sure um, was. Did not want to be yeah. recorded saying that, by the way. Uh, so Brendan yeah, had to put his yeah, I down. think he, I think he, he, he definitely edited himself a little bit. 
um, but talked about how great the FreeJacks are as an organization and yes. how um, it is improving his life as the national team coach, basically. For 15s, um, yeah. For 15s, yeah. That, that it really, Major League Rugby and organizations like the FreeJacks really help make the 2031 prospective World Cup which the United States would would host um, mm-hmm. right now. They're the leading bid. So it, it makes that a lot more hopeful because right. that's that's a long time from now. You're talking about nine years of development. Mm-hmm. Um, as they pointed out, the players who are going to play in that World Cup are teenagers now. They're it's not, crazy you know, they're not about. the guys who yeah. are who we're talking about. Right. Right. We all, we all want Joe Johnston on the Eagles and we we do want Joe Johnston on the Eagles. Yeah. But you know, is he going to play in a World Cup nine years from now? That's unlikely. So right. we're talking about a full, you know, two World Cup development cycles away. Um, and the youth work that the Major League Rugby and the Free Jacks are doing, it's really important. Gary Gold spoke directly to the players, which I thought was really cool, the players mm-hmm. who were there, and said, you know, take it seriously when you guys are out there doing work in the community, running these youth camps. You might have, you know, one of these 15 year olds that you are, are coaching might be somebody who's going to play in that world. That's Cup right. Yeah. In nine years. Very cool to and, think about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so That's huge cool. opportunity for the players in that sense as well to shape mm-hmm. the future of American rugby. So the whole event was cool. Uh, I really enjoyed it. The players talked as well. Dallin Stanford, you know, yeah. <laughs> host extraordinaire. Yes. Um, had questions prepared for everybody. And then he also um took questions from the audience yeah dallin sanford you know the greatest rugby commentator in the whole world uh, taking time out of his busy schedule to, to host that event which we really appreciate came over and, and I, I gave him a sticker for the jacks rangers show uh he complimented us so what we did guys if you were not attending uh we had a little table there and we had set up our camera and tried to do a bit of live streaming for the first time ever uh try to do a live stream interview with uh, one of the free jacks employees by the name of colton bennett and we'll have colton on again at, at some point the um the audio was not great great and also the video cut out about halfway through because i was trying to fix it because i had the green screen mode on and uh just so happens that dave had his uh his uh charles river green hoodie on so i was trying to fix that and it didn't quite work but uh so i tried to actually put that through an ai editor for audio and it still was not great Mm -hmm. so yeah we'll get a we'll get another interview with him we'll get another shot so colton we appreciate your time for sure man it just it wasn't meant to be in that that first uh, attempt for the the live stream but we'll get better with that guys uh, at a future events also we had no access to wi-fi either so it was choppy regardless so yeah, yeah. um so yeah i just wanted to say that uh, we appreciate him making the effort uh with doing that interview there and dave uh, uh for the folks that might have saw it actually live streaming uh yeah dave was hosting that and, and, and asking all the questions but yeah just a great time overall really enjoyed it um yeah just you know again an example 1000 of why the free jacks are the best organization in mlr with that state of the free jacks event um did want to mention some news for the free jacks uh javon camp villa villa lovos has been traded to houston on a temporary four-week loan deal that saw scrum half zach short heading in the other direction to our free jacks and even got a few minutes against utah the reason for that is uh holton youngert is injured at scrum half so we need that uh, that backup to come in and zach short is that guy for the free jacks at least temporarily 
Yeah, um, he did get a few minutes. Uh, I I don't know Houston's depth chart situation. Mm-hmm. My guess is that you know if this is the trade they're doing on a temporary basis, they want a, a second row. They have a need there, and so I'm actually kind of hopeful that he'll get some minutes um, and get a little bit of a bite of the MLR because he hasn't seen a lot of time for the Free Jacks this season, mm-hmm. um, playing mostly uh, I think entirely for the Independents. Yes. Um, but he has been in camp. He's, you know, yes. he's been he's been in camp all season, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he's a he's a big unit, and I yes, think he he could, he could be an impact guy. Uh, he also seems, you know, what little, you know, time we've had with the players, he seemed very friendly. He seemed like a really nice guy. Yes, um, so, absolutely. Uh, you know, that always that always makes me a little bit bigger of a fan. I don't know about you, but yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> when they're course. when they're when they're personable and, and really chill, he talked to us a little bit. Um, it was cool. So yeah, I'll keep keep a close eye on those Houston games. See if uh, he gets any time because he's coming right back in a few weeks. That's right. Yeah, you know, want to get in that game time possibly with Houston in the twenty three, and then we'll see what happens when he comes back to see how uh, well he's progressed. That'll be exciting for him for sure to to be moving up a little bit further on the depth chart with Houston. I imagine. Um, so yeah, let's get over to the um, Utah review. And because I was arguing online with some folks, uh, I wasn't able to look at, uh, I actually looked at the highlights, but didn't make notes of that. So what I'm doing this time around for the first time ever, ladies and gentlemen, I am using America's Rugby News, uh, their write-up about the Free Jacks versus Utah Warriors. So let's see how well this goes. Yeah. And I, are, kinda... I would just throw in before yes. we start, they are indispensable. America's Rugby News is one of the best websites out there for tracking, well, American rugby news. Yes. Um, and I would encourage any MLR fan to go there. It's a really good way to learn about other things like Super League, uh, not Super League, Reg- Super Liga Americana, SLAR, SLAR the South yeah. American yep. um, professional rugby, which is, you know, kind of our head to head competition for these World Cup slots sure. and stuff. So yep. uh, good information if you if you care about the national team. Not a sponsor, but I agree a thousand percent with what Dave is saying. Uh, Brian Ray is the main mover and shaker of that uh, news organization. is fantastic. He's been on the show twice. He's a Toronto Aero super fan, extremely knowledgeable about rugby. So I, I want to read this in like an old timey sports writer voice, but I'm going to try to refrain <laughs> from doing that. So it says the Free Jacks defeated the Utah Warriors 33-17 to at Veterans Memorial Stadium on Saturday. It's New England's eighth consecutive victory, which sets a new Major League record, uh, surpassing the previous mark set by both Glendale Raptors in 18 and Toronto Arrows in 19. It was a high-flying start for the home side. Paula Bellincana broke down the left side. Then Kyle Sequera broke a tackle in the middle and offloaded to keep them to keep the move alive. Uh, quick hands from LaRue Milan found Mitch Wilson free on the right side for the opening try, and Bodine Waka added the conversion. Um, John Poland worked in worked a give and go with Sequera, but a flying tackle from Calvin Whiting knocked the ball loose and stopped what looked like a certain try. At the other end, Franco Vandenberg uh, went clean through the line, uh, but the prop was isolated, and Joe Johnson won the turnover to hold the advance. How many how many times have we seen that this year, Dave, with uh, Joe Johnson just getting a turnover? Um, the next thing it says here is Paul Mullen had then been, had then been getting the edge on Sequera in the scrum, but the Free Jacks turned the tables and earned a penalty just after the hydration break. They opted for an attacking lineout from ten meters out. They drove over the line with Peter Janssen, your boy, getting the credit. Waka tacked on the 
uh, the other two, and it was 14-0 to New England. What was your initial thoughts uh, of that uh, two-try two lead early in the second half? Um, yeah, it was, it was a good place to be, about kind of what you would expect. The scrums were really interesting. There were a lot of collapses. Um, I would agree with Brian that Paul Mullen was get, getting the better of Kyle, but it seemed almost entirely to be all in the engage. Um, at one point, Mullen got dinged or free kicks a little bit back and forth. Um, one thing he was doing was axial loading, which is where you use the top of your head and place it against the shoulder of the opposite prop or hooker mm -hmm. um, so that you're actually taking the force of the other scrum you know, down your spine, through your head, down your spine, and down your back. It's extremely dangerous. That's why it's illegal. And if yeah. you listen on the on the uh, what dangerous for you, the person doing it, it gives you right. an edge, but you're risking your own spinal health. Um, yeah, that George Selwood. Like yeah, chiropractor's nightmare right there. It was standard practice for years. You know, in elite scrummaging, um, yeah. you kind of accidentally slip into it a little bit at the club level. You know, sometimes. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, players would just kind of discover it and use it, but it, it was seen as needed to keep space, which is what Paul Mullen said basically to George Selwood, the referee. Um, Selwood did an amazing job all throughout the match. I thought he was a really good um, official, excellent communicator with both teams. And part of that was what he said to Mullen in that moment where he just said, um, it's for your, he said, protect yourself. Right. It's for your own health. Okay protect yourself. You know, it, it's an instance where you're penalizing a player. It's just a free kick. Um, could be a penalty if he keeps doing it, uh, mm -hmm. but it, it, just a free kick um, to the free Jacks. And he says to Mullen, like, it's just not worth it. You make it not worth it to a player to do that because they're going to give up a free kick and then they don't do it. And, you know, the ultimate goal is to keep, keep everybody safe in the front row. It's the most dangerous position on the yes. field, you know? Um, and so there's, there's a few special rules around it. Uh, it can be a little opaque, but that was part of it. Um, once that and all the engaged stuff got shorted, sorted out, it seemed like Sakara uh, found his sea legs, you know, and, and, right. and the tide tide turned a little bit. Still intense. Mullen's a really good scrummager. You know, he's played overseas at a very high level, played yes. for the USA Eagles. Um, I, I gave him like a shout out on his way out. I was like, Paul, you kick ass, you know, because <laughs> um, nice. he's uh, he's he's a, he's a cool guy. Uh, and, and I've been a been a fan of his for a while. He's been around the league, played in Seattle, mm -hmm. um, uh, won championships there, uh, I, I believe. Um, and, you know, he's 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 been a been a bit of a road warrior. He's had a long career. So fun guy to watch. Uh, but, yeah, it was, it was a good place to be that lead in the second half. Uh, it's it's where you want um, the lineouts. The lineout tries were were pretty cool. I'll talk about them a little bit more later. I really enjoyed watching them on the replay. Um, they uh, they had some extra players in there. I don't know if you noticed. <laughs> yes, I did. Tell live. Yes, I did. But uh, if you're out there, if you're used to counting the players in the lineouts, mm -hmm. uh, you know, or counting counting our guys in the lineouts, and a full lineout is seven players because right. one of your eight pack players is the hooker throwing yes. the ball in right so eight yes. minus one is seven and you can stand there and count and you count seven eight nine <laughs> right ten players in the line out and you start scratching your head a little bit that is too many forwards so they had three backs joining the line outs very rare yeah, you don't see that every day for sure yeah yeah a good friend of mine for many years chris gardner a uh, longtime president of charles river um, now on the board of directors for the 
whole organization. He's been trying forever to get Charles River coaches to put all 15 guys in the lineup. He's like, let's just do it. Right. What are they going to do? Let's try it. Um, very silly. Uh, the problem with having even just 10 guys in the lineup is you have 10 guys in the lineup, one guy throwing it in, one guy's the receiver. That's 12 players. That means you only have three players. Yeah, it's it was a defensive Waka, liability. Yeah, Waka, Mitch Wilson, and Dougie Fife covering literally the entire mm-hmm. rest of the pitch. That's right. If you mess up your line out and, and lose possession. Mm-hmm. Now you're on the five meter line. It's, you know, you can trust those guys to scramble a little bit and at least buy you time for everybody to sprint back and try to make a line. Right. Um, but it's still super weird. <laughs> yeah, and for sure. I, I love it. You know, you know <laughs> me, let's get weird. I, yep. I'm a fan of anything that challenges the opposition um, to make a tough decision in the moment you know when i was coaching i would often really encourage my forwards to change the number of people going to the line out each time mm-hmm. you know bring, move, and bump it up one bump it down one and we had a playbook where we could do that you know yeah. um i really enjoyed coaching the line out i'd spend a ton so much time drawing up these plays you know and so they had options for four-man lineouts five-man lineouts six-man lineouts seven-man lineouts and um not too many but enough to run any one of them a number of times mm-hmm. and and i'd really encourage them to do that you know just change the number each time make them have to go okay who are we going to lift where are we going to put them um and then change the look and so i mean you can't get much more change the look than putting paula belcana uh larue milan and wayne vanderbank in the line out mm-hmm. yep. uh, and they weren't just decoration they all were pushing and you could see the power of that try peter Janssen barely got it down before they went out the back of the end goal area i mean he had a good foot and a half to spare it wasn't like a close call the the but the line out uh, the mall started moving so fast once it got going that it really looked like a mall you see in training yes where the guys are just you know blowing down the field and the coach is blowing it up saying well don't hurt yourself you guys are you know you're remember you're mauling against two people not a full team except they were mauling against the full team and that was what made it pretty special heck yeah all right let's get back to uh, brian ray's analysis here and reporting he says that calvin whiting got utah on the board with a penalty goal from out front a loose kick from danny christensen gave waka a chance to counter he scorched around the outside found wilson and support on his left and a pass back inside sent uh, Poland in for the try. Again, Waka was on target from wide out. Taking a page from Waka, Mikey Teo regathered a high ball that bounced off Balancana and raced through the gap in the line. It was a simple two-on-one to find Caleb um, Makin, I believe, in support, and the fly have Fly half had just enough pace to score. Whiting conversion made it 21-10 to at halftime. So at this point, you know, feeling real good about what was happening, uh, a 12-point lead for the Free Jacks at halftime. You love to see it. Um, very, very um, festive crowd atmosphere there at Fort Quincy for sure. I think the weather had a lot to do with that. Finally yes. had some good weather. It wasn't too hot by any means whatsoever, but it certainly was not cold. So people were really tying one on. Um, uh, I know that the guys around me or in front of me rather in section five, which is becoming the most rambunctious and, and best is. place to sit. were really uh, lubed up if you want to call it that uh, <laughs> and really enjoying themselves there uh, at that game. Yeah. So, yeah, we, as uh, the, as the weather improves and the kickoffs yes. are later, we got seven and six. I think there's one six thirty. Yes. All later kickoffs for the rest of the season. Uh, I would expect the lubrication to continue as guys have more <laughs> opportunity to for sure 
to you know do a little bit of uh, grilling and socializing before yeah. the game gets going so it was definitely fun uh, guys were having a, a blast yes uh, in the stands right and left for sure i mean as we should we should be you know as in a celebratory mood with the way that our free jacks were playing in this game let's kind of get forward here and talk about what happened in the second half real quick uh jansen got a double on the end of a line out drive early in the second half the two midfielders joining in to help secure the bonus point belancana looked to have scored on a sneaky break from a ruck but the timo called him back for being ahead of the ball waka then missed a shot at goal um you know, I, I kind of missed this team. I, I saw that it was a TMO situation. I thought maybe, and I wasn't looking at the score line. I thought maybe Waka was taking too long for the the mm -hmm. kick afterwards on that try, and the whiff. Uh, I thought the ref just kind of waved it off. But what had really turned out to be is that what, what you know Brian is talking about here is the TMO called him back for being ahead of the ball, essentially offsides uh, in that situation. So, what was your thoughts uh, there? Yeah, it was essentially the same play that, that uh, got reviewed when we were playing, uh, who was it, Houston maybe? Um, we, But we, we had a try called back uh, against us earlier this season. Was it, was it, the same, was it Austin? Austin, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. Austin, the, the prop at Austin who had um, his foot beyond the ball mm -hmm. one foot in front of it one foot behind yes, it but okay. was engaged in the ruck and they tmo to us oh, right. if you're engaged in the ruck you got to have both feet behind the ball That's before right. you pick it up he didn't so they called the try back austin fans were big mad about it yes oh, I remember. i've never heard of this law before you know <laughs> uh, which to be fair it's obscure you know <laughs> yeah, but sure. it is it's 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 part of the rules, the yes. laws. Um, and so it, it was the exact same situation. Belicana had a foot beyond the ball. It was a ruck because a player had been cleared out um, from D.C. So it was definitely a ruck. That means he had to have both feet behind the ball before he could mm -hmm. play it himself. Um, and he did not. So it got it got pulled back. Uh, I went down and gave five huzzahs. Yes, extremely embarrassing. <laughs> um, no, I, I, you could tell just from the DC players' reactions that like they didn't think it was yeah. a good try. They saw we really, it we really chased him. It was kind of mm -hmm. weird. Yeah. Um, but I waited and didn't hear anything about TMO and from the in-stadium announcer. I didn't see the ref do the, you know, TMO signal or anything. So yeah. I was like, okay, I guess, I guess it stands. We went down. We did the huzzahs. And then I got it back up to my seat and they rolled the rolled the try back off the board. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was, you know, it happens. Um, yeah. The mall was great. I already talked about that mm -hmm. uh, was was truly sublime to see those backs helping out in the mall. We've it's seen them come fun. in and join it. You yes. know, once once the line out ends, yep. which is just technical mumbo jumbo. Nobody really cares. But once the line out ends, the backs can come up yes. and join the mall that comes from the line out. Yep um once the mall leaves the line out area basically uh and we've seen that happen but to my knowledge i could be wrong um I'll, I'll, maybe i'll try to get in touch with mike rogers and ask <laughs> was that the first time i think it was the first time that they've had 10 guys in the line out like that I love it, man. Let's get weird. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, we have the power power on this team to beat teams just outright, but let's confuse them in the process as well. You know, it's, it's mm -hmm. pretty fun. Pretty fun to see that from our coaching staff who, uh, you know, who feel like they can they can get one over on teams, not just with the talent, but using their minds as well. I love that. Um, yeah. Sun Tzu, the whole secret lies in confusing the enemy so that oh, yeah. you cannot fathom our real intent. 
Love that. Uh, so next here, it says the Warriors lost Olive Khalifi to injury and then Vandenberg, which was a scary moment, who had yes. been back on for only two minutes, then was knocked out cold in a tackle, a deliberate knock on, landed Bellincana in the pen, at the bin, and then um, Col- Cliven Volser, you know, uh, hey, God bless. Um, <laughs> spotted some green behind the defense. The cross kick bounced up for Joe Mano to touch down in the corner with uh, Whiting's conversion, splitting the uprights. At the restart, Utah knocked the ball on, trying to play out in their own end. From the scrum, Ma- Milan crashed ahead, and then Slade to McDowell uh, drove over the New England's uh, fifth try. And that was actually the fifth one that counted this time around, yes. David. And the kick from Waka made it 33-17 to 17 and put the result beyond doubt. Both teams are home next Saturday. New England will go for a ninth straight win with Old Glory DC as their guest. Utah will take on the second-best team in the Eastern Conference, where that is Rugby Atlanta. Um, overall thoughts of the match? Yeah. Um, first of all, hope Franco Vandenberg is yes. okay. Like you yes. said, it was a scary moment. The match stopped for a while. Um, it there was nothing malicious in any of it, which is which is always good. He honestly just got driven very directly backwards. Yep. And that it was just literally backpedaling a couple steps, and then went over backwards. And that can be a dangerous situation because there's no way to break your fall really when you're getting tackled straight back onto your back. And it looked to me like he just bounced the back of his head off of the ground and was out immediately, you yeah. know, just from hit the impact of his his head hitting the ground. Um, and so the, the medics took care of him. He gave a thumbs up on his way out. I know he went to Tufts Medical Cent- Center. They're one of the mm-hmm. Free Jack sponsors. Yes. Um, and he, I think, stayed overnight just for evaluation. Um, but hope, hope that he's doing well and recovers soon um, and is back out there. Uh, scrummaging like yeah. you know he loves to do yes sir um the rest of the end of the match was good i very embarrassingly congratulated alex johnston on his try because mm. i thought slade mcdowell's try had been scored by johnston yep. who was there and helped push slade over the line um but so alex if you're listening my apologies what a <laughs> fool i've made of myself um other than that I don't know. It was really, it was, it was really engaging and entertaining for the fans there in the stands. Um, throughout a convincing result about what you would expect, mm-hmm. um, pretty close to the predicted score. Yes. Um, you know, we, we expected kind of a, a pretty good gap, and that's what we got. Yes. Um, players commented that it was one of the most physical games of the season so far. Uh, mm-hmm. These guys always bring it. Um, my kids personally really liked Lance Williams because he's the guy who he's the eight. Oh yes, for uh, Utah, and yep. he had the the kind of the yep. bunned up ponytail, the blonde yep. bun on the back of his head. So very like distinct. A, yes, not like a man bun on up on top, but right on the back. Yes. and very distinct. Yeah, it bounces up and down as he mm-hmm. runs around. And so my my kids were entertained <laughs> the entire match watching Lance Williams run around the pitch with his hair Hilarious. bouncing behind him. Uh, no, I, I like the Warriors. They're one of those teams that everybody seems to have a soft spot for. Sure. Um, they're kind of everybody's second or third favorite team, I feel mm-hmm. like. Uh, and they, they bring a lot. Oh, Mitch Wilson tackled Bailey in yes. the open field. Ran him down. Ran him down like a dog. Yes, he uh, did. So shout out shout out to Mitch. You know, he won the he won the Battle of the Brothers. I already clipped the video 
um, of it, I was going to upload it and send it to him and be like, there you go, in case you Perfect. need, you know, just a little eight-second clip of you tackling your brother for any purpose you might need it for. Yeah, I pointed it out uh, to the people that were around me in the stands, and I was like, oh, that's his brother, like literally his brother. And they're like, oh, okay, great. Yeah, you know, whatever. Uh, uh, yeah, so, um, but yeah, that was awesome to see. Um, I will mention that Waka was four or five with conversions, but missed one penalty out of one attempt there. But, you know, all in all, Excellent, excellent game for our Free Jacks, as you're saying. You know, kind of predicted that in the scoreline because there is a difference between the two squads. And it's good that the Free Jacks didn't play down to their opponent. You know, I feel like they led the entire game. I don't think, you know, based on what we saw here, they never gave up the lead. It never looked really in doubt at all. They it, they were in control the entire game. And that's exactly what you want to see when you're playing an inferior opponent. Sorry, Utah. They've got a lot of good players on that team. They just can't, for whatever reason, get it together on the pitch. Uh, Bozo last week said they looked aimless in attack. And I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. You know, they got these great players with Mikey Teo who can create something out of nothing here. Uh, that I'm kind of leading into my uh, musket size pants tent. But when you got a guy like that on the field, like how I don't understand why the attack just isn't better. I don't quite get it. But that's not up for us to determine or anything like that. I, I think you're right, though. Teo made a comment uh, after the match, maybe um, that that they were not playing their planned game plan. Yeah. essentially that they were not doing what they knew they needed to do to, to create the win. And mm -hmm. so it does seem like, you know, if you're not following the game plan, what are you doing? Right. Whatever you feel like, which is yes. how I would describe aimless rugby, you know, let's whip it out wide, you know, let's see right. what's happening when really you got to bring a more developed game plan. Uh, if you want to win, especially against a team like the Free Jacks. Absolutely. Uh, so the musket-sized uh, pants tent for me is Mikey Teo. He's 28 years old, fullback, who was MLR's player of the year last year. He's five foot eight, 205 pounds, although I'm, I'm doubting that 205 at this point. Uh, he can make <laughs> something out of nothing in a heartbeat on the pitch. He bagged himself a try, and, and in that try, it's an, a prime example why the guy is just so dangerous. He, he saw a gap, caught the ball you know, very well, saw a gap, just – Woo, was out there and and making yeah. stuff happen, baby. Um, he, he's one of my favorite players in the league. I think I've said that in the preseason. I, I wish he was on the Free Jacks, but I, I kind of understand why you know we don't <laughs> go in that direction. I kind of get it, you know what I mean. But um, he's a he's a fun player to watch for sure. Yeah. Uh, listen, Mikey Teo weighs however much Mikey Teo tells you he weighs. That's... Amen. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're you're one eighteen. Sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah Neat. Yeah. Boy, you work out for 118. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, he played He played a great game. He was one of the, you know, as always, he was one of the players on Utah that was just genuinely threatening uh, almost anything. Yes. You can't let a ball hit the ground because he seems to have a telekinetic ability to control mm -hmm. where it bounces and right put it right into his own hands. Um, sure. Yeah, he's, he was a lot of fun. All right, let's move over to MVP, and I'll let you go first this week. I think I know who you're going to pick. Um, yeah, starts with a P, ends with a, a J. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I got to <laughs> give I got to give some shout outs before that, though. You know my style. Okay. Um, Jesse Peretti had a great match. Um, mm -hmm. He put on a masterclass in getting under people's skin. Yes, he's uh, good at that. There was a mall early where Utah uh, had the line out. They won their own line out, and. Jesse just kind of wraps around the outside and lifts, grabs Paul Mullen by the leg and starts lifting him like he's going to dump him. And uh, he got penalized for it. I mean, he rightly was penalized for collapsing the mall, which is exactly what he did mm -hmm. on purpose. But then 
Paul Mullen was so mad that as he's standing up, he gives Jesse a big shove and yeah. the ref reverses the penalty. Yes, that's, I saw that. Yeah, That's the stuff that happens Perfect. when Jesse Preddy's on your team. You yep. know, he, he gave yep. one up, but he got it right back because he's Mullen at that point is so irritated by everything that's going on. So Jesse put on a good clinic and annoying the other team um, until they lose their composure. Um, <laughs> I just it, got a great graphic idea that I'm going to implement here after this show based on oh, what good. you just said. Good. Um, <laughs> They, uh, a couple other guys had great games, um, but Kyle Sakara had a bunch of line breaks and power tackles, especially yes, in the first half. You could tell he came to, you know, take care of business. My buddy, Corey Lang always says players play, you know, yes. and, and that was, that was, that was what players play means. You know, he was looking for any opportunity to create those big, big moments and, um, while still doing his job. And he did a great job, but you, you are correct. I got to go to Peter Johnson. He had so many great lineouts, something we've been waiting all season to see really good, crisp lineouts. And he threw clean balls to O'Gorman Larson to Jesse Peretti, who was under a lot of pressure and still gathered it hit O'Gorman again, hit Larson for, for Peter Johnson's try. Right. So for mm -hmm. his, you know, threw it in and then finished it. Um, just just really, really clean lineouts to multiple jumpers. They looked really crisp. And it was really exciting as a fan and as, you know, a forwards nerd to mm -hmm. see that stuff finally clicking. And boy, we suddenly were real lethal in that lineout, huh? Oh, I mean, it yeah. That's oh. the tone for the game. Yes. When your lineout is clicking and the other team just has to be really worried anytime you have one in their half of the field, yeah. you're in a good spot. So Peter Janssen, two tries, great lineouts to multiple receivers. He did a, a really, really, really good job this week. A lot of people that are smarter at me about rugby will say that the Free Jacks play very well, but their biggest weakness is the lineout. For those people out there that say that, what are you, what are you saying now at this point? I think you have to reverse that at this point because the lineouts look real good this week, and the lineout attacks was excellent too. Um, so yeah. Uh, I can't disagree with that, but I'm going to go in a different direction as I generally do on this show. Um, let's talk about Mitch Wilson playing against his brother at home. Bailey Wilson is the captain of Utah guys. He put in an excellent hunted him down. As you were saying, chased him down like a dog, tackled his brother, bagged himself a try as well. This guy constantly impresses me. And, you know, I've said this on other shows. I'm just like, if you look at Mitch Wilson, you don't think he's a rugby player. There's no way he plays professional rugby. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> I mean, he's he's yoked. He's got a lot of for muscle. sure, for sure. He's just a little guy, and you just don't expect him to 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 play rugby. But guess what? He plays rugby very well, and he's one of those guys that's a, is a selection nightmare. You would assume that he's you know just going to be on the bench because there's other bigger names. No offense that are on the that play the positions that we do have. But if one of those guys get injured or there's a suspension, the guy comes in and then you can't get rid of him. He, he's 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 put himself into a position to be a starter every single week. So you have to respect that, and I absolutely do. The work weight that this guy has is you know up here and we've also heard that he's a great locker room guy if a guy's low if they're having a bad practice he'll get in their ear and, and help them get back up you know so the performance on the pitch obviously was excellent this week bagging a try and just doing everything that he needed to do to win mvp but the grander scale is you know this guy is the epitome of a free jack um humble hardworking, all of that hungry mitch wilson you get the invisible yeah. uh, award for um uh storm along mvp from me excellent stuff 
All yeah, right. I can't disagree. He had a he had a great game, and he is so much fun to watch. He packs a lot of power into every hit, um, and it's it's really really fun to watch a, a backline player who can deliver those hammer blows like he does. Absolutely, couldn't agree more. All right, with that, we're gonna get out of here and move over to the preview for DC. And I've got one word for everybody. Make sure you're saying it at home, kids. In three, two, one. Huzzah! Huzzah! Woo! Huzzah, Rangers! This is Phil Harris again here at the Jacks Ranger Show. I'm joined once again with Dave McVeigh. Dave, how the hell are you? I'm doing excellent, Phil. Excellent. How are so, you? Look, not too bad, man. We got DC rolling in town. Um, we The Free Jacks are on an eight-game winning streak, which right now that is the best ever in MLR in terms of winning streaks. Feels good to be good, doesn't it, David? It does. It feels very good to be good. And I would add on our to our eight game win streak. <clears throat> we're currently on a seven game home win streak. Mm. Um, I haven't lost this season. Total record at home between um, the two stadiums is ten and two. We had two losses last season, uh, but right now ten and two all time home record for the Free Jacks, which is pretty excellent. So. Looking to extend it to 11 and two this coming week and extend that MLR record to nine victories. Man, that, that's going to be hard to beat whenever that does happen in, in the future. You know, we can continue to extend this thing. That would be incredible. What a magical run the Free Jacks are on right now. Um, don't take it for granted, fans out there, Rangers all across the globe. This is excellence that you're seeing on the rugby pitch. I mean, you know, th- there's arguments that this team can be better, and I do truly believe that. But right now, in terms of winning games, they're doing excellent and, and with excellent form uh, at doing it in. And, you know, in this last game that we played at Fort Quincy against Utah, it was clearly a team that was inferior in terms of, you know, they got some good players on that team, no doubt, but in terms of top to bottom, inferior to the roster that the Free Jacks have. And I feel similarly about this DC squad. Let me just give you a rundown of DC as I see it. DC is currently in six in the Eastern Conference standings with 15 points, two wins and nine losses with 241 points for the points against, hold on to your seats here, guys, 362, which is a point differential of minus 121. Big yikes on that. This is a team that constantly throughout its short history has failed to impress. They have never been to playoff contenders, and they straight up stole the New England Free Jacks color scheme, which you know we can, we can go on and all about that. But it's true. If you look at the timeline, that is absolutely correct. Uh, their longstanding head coach, Andrew Douglas, was fired earlier in the season. Inner former Nolan Nate Osborne, the interim head coach that had, that was let go right before the season started from NOLA. By the way, NOLA currently find themselves in fifth place in the Eastern Conference. So I don't know about that move, but since he was officially onboarded to D.C., Nate has helped D.C. to two straight wins. Now, those wins, of course, were against lowly Dallas and the curiously bad Utah team that we just saw here at Fort Quincy. D.C. is coming off a bye week and headed into Fort Quinty like a Washington politician looking to steal a win by any means necessary over high-flying free jacks. Uh, D.C. has some good players, including one of the faces of the league, Danny Tusatala. But depth has been an issue for D.C. um, since the preseason. We kind of outlined that as, as one of their problems way back when. Some of their best players abandoned ship and were 
not properly replaced while the likes of the New England Free Jacks and New Jersey team strengthened their squads. D.C. did not do that, and it shows. It has a lot to do with the current standings, in my opinion. The biggest question mark in my mind heading into this game, uh, Dave, is how will the uh, New England Free Jacks approach this game when they have second place Atlanta in two weeks' time slithering into Fort Quincy with their physicality and competitiveness? New England has so much depth that we, that, you know, we've been trading away players uh, for assets all season long. Um, does Scott Matthew roll the dice and do a large squad rotation to rest his best players to have them ready for that physical bat- battle that we know is going to take place against Atlanta in two weeks' time? That's my biggest question mark is what New England Free Jacks team will we see take the field against D.C.? Um, it's, 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 it's a head-scratcher because you factor in that we're in a playoff race. We're trying to win out that first place, which would give us a home buy in the playoffs. Um, and this D.C. squad with not a lot to play for other than pride coming in here with an inferior roster. What's your take on this? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I think that if it was my call, uh, we do have a lot of depth, so I I like the idea of rotating. I think depth wins wins matches. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't look for a rest roster, but I would look for maybe some players who are pushing to see a little bit of time. You might see somebody like Mills get yep. a nod, um, been really, really quality. And one thing we've talked about a lot on the show is the ability to you know, rotate players in and out without a drop in quality. So yes. I think in positions where we know we can do that, which I would say is honestly the the just about the entire pack, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then parts of the back line, I think you don't mess with your 10, 12, 13. Um, maybe if, you know, if somebody needs rest, you could rest them. This would be the, this would be the game to, you know, let, let Waka take a week off and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, get Boyle in there at 10, yes. you know, make sure, knock the rust off a little bit, let him have a solid start. Yep. Um, I, I would not be uh, at all thrown to see that happen. Um, that said, this Dallas team has gotten, or sorry, uh, DC team has gotten, that'd be <laughs> weird. Uh, slip, if yeah. only we were playing Dallas. Right. Um, this DC team has only gotten better. They have beaten Utah and Dallas. That's why I just slipped. But yep. that that is it. Those are the teams they have beaten, Dallas and Utah, not some of the best teams in the league. Um, they have their how badly they got beaten has has shrunk. The margin shrank as the yes. season went on. They kind of got blown out a lot early on, and people That's were right. like, "Oh my word!" That's when I said it might be a better season to be a Dallas fan than a DC fan. Mm-hmm. Um, so far, has not in fact turned out to be true. True, but uh, they've gotten better. They have a lot of talented guys. They've got you know. USA Eagle Jameson Fanana Schultz. Yes. Look for him and Peretti to get into it because Schultz has a, Schultz gets a little spicy. He's gotten a couple suspensions for forearms mm-hmm. and punching and things like that. Um, Facundo Gattas is a really interesting player. He is a prop hooker combo, um, a Uruguayan international. He did not re-sign with Pinarol, the Uruguayan Slar team. This. Uh, after last season, he chose not to re-sign. He went and played club rugby in Uruguay and then wow. got signed to an MLR contract. Very interesting. That's I'd love odd, to compare yeah. the numbers. You know, maybe he was 
expecting that yeah and could make a little bit more money wanted to see the usa just like a lot of the players we've talked about you know the dollar's a strong currency and you get to visit america not a bad prospect so he's a player just to keep an eye on a really interesting guy um and then of course honorary charles river rats technical charles river rats threatened Palamo and owen she yes played that seven seven touch sevens tournament with the charles river rats old boys Mm -hmm. team so you know i'm a fan hoping those guys have a good match not good enough but you know they have a they have a, a good showing i just hope everyone has fun you know yes uh i i do think to get back to your point that it's it's possible we see um a roster that has some shifts i wouldn't read a lot into it i also think that the guaranteed rest for your entire roster that you get for winning first place on the table is probably strategically more valuable than spot rests for For some guys through the the tail end of the season absolutely that said it all actually comes down to the nuts and bolts of how are the players holding up week to week mm-hmm. whether players need rest these guys just had a bye week not long ago maybe everybody's chomping at the bit especially in the positions with a lot of competition like the entire back row um i think that you're going to see people pushing for uh best team selection um and you know we're already seeing a lot of rotation there we've seen a different back row look week to week so it's not like we have a settled definite best three starting back row anyway we have kind of an embarrassment of riches you can't have conradi okay. peretti mcdowell and johnston all there you just can't you just can't like they, that's yeah. too many players you only got three positions oh and by now, the way uh pita's back as well terrell pita is back yeah pita's Peach is back. I saw him at the uh, uh, match on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Welcomed him back to the city. Um, add him to the mix. Yes. Uh, Justin Johnson is healthy. We saw yes, him he get is. a little bit of time. Add him yeah. to the mix. It's crazy how much that back row is just unbelievably talented and so deep. Yeah. Um, so because of that, I mean, you might see a different look. Maybe we see Justin Johnson start at six. Yeah. You know, we see Peretti back at eight this week. And Love maybe it. we see... You know, um, uh, Joe Johnston at seven, and we get a look at that back row for the first time this season. And then you have maybe Peretti, or uh, yeah, Peretti, McDowell, or Conradi on the bench. Like that is insane. That is yeah. absolutely nuts. Yeah, and we've seen guys like Johnston and uh, McDowell have an impact when they come in. Yep. They come in with 30, 20 minutes to go, and they look like an apex predator out there like a velociraptor just running guys down they have the pace they've got the power i mean they are a serious defensive threat when they come in as a fresh player at the end of the game Mm -hmm. i'm sure all of those guys would rather be starting they're a very competitive bunch the coaches have talked about how competitive the team is in general and they like to foster that um competitive spirit so you know those guys are working hard to be the starting players uh, but the the beneficiaries of that really are us, you know, the coaches who have them to choose from, and moreover, us, the fans, mm-hmm. as we get to see just a tremendous level of talent uh, in that back row. So it should be it should be a really interesting match. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I like DC. I like everybody. Shocker. Um, you know, I hate very yeah. few teams. Just, uh, you know, there's one from Hoboken. It feels real good to beat. Yeah. Um, I really like beating Toronto, too. Uh, but yeah, DC, um, 
really, it's whoever's at the top of the table. So right now, I really like beating Atlanta. I really like beating New York. Sure, yeah. I'll take a Toronto. DC's not, you know, too much of a threat. That said, we need five points. We need four tries. We need yes, a we solid do. victory. We want to make sure that nobody can close the gap on that table. Um, we really want that number one position if we can get it. Uh, not that a loss would be the end of the world. You know, the streak will come to an end at some point, and the sky will not, in fact, be falling when that happens. Um, but this seems like a week where we would really hope to get those five points for a full strength victory to uh, ensure that we stay right at the top of the table. Uh, I know that previously you had said that Utah might have been a trap game. Um, you had said that two weeks ago prior to the lead up to Utah. Um, some people see this as a banana peel game for the Free Jacks. I just don't see if it was a way then I can kind of understand and entertain that argument, but it's at home, Jack, like, come on, man. Like this is Fort Quincy. You don't lose to a team like DC at home with our home field advantage. Um, I don't care who you put out there, Dave, you can start at one of the propositions and I still feel like we got a pretty good chance. You know, you can come out at halftime, you know, maybe I get a run at five or four, All you right. know, well, let's call TK. Right. Let's give, yeah, give let's him a get, ring. Get him on the I horn. am available. I am not currently under contract. Right. So, um, so you, know, you know, we're yeah. being a little silly, right? But uh, ultimately, you know, with the lineup, I think they can mix things up a little bit and still feel pretty good about their chances against D.C. Um, not to say that they don't have good players. I know that they have good players. Yeah. It just hasn't really worked out. The beginning of the season, you know, like you were saying, they were, they were losing games heavily, and it was looking real, real bad for them. They've turned it around a little bit, you know, got mm-hmm. two wins, um, you know, two straight wins so far. Coming off a bye week as well, that, that's something that we, we really need to take into consideration. But, you know, yeah. the Free Jacks don't lose this game at home. This is, the Free Jacks, you know, since for the past couple of weeks have been – you know, the, the contender for winning the first place of the East, it feels still a little weird, even though we've seen this team perform so well, I would rather the free Jacks be like the under the scrappy underdogs, you know, but those days, unfortunately for this season are <laughs> yeah. over my friend, they're, they're, they're gone. And I kind of do miss them a little bit. Cause I don't like to be this, like, but we've got a target on our back and everybody's like, Oh, they're good. But you know, all of that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. I want us to fly under the radar, but we just yeah. can't do that because this team is winning has won eight straight games and, and their our home record is legit um, and has been since day one. So, you know, kind of rolling into the key to the game here. Um, I, I feel good about it. I, you know, how can you not against a team that is last in the Eastern conference that has looked bad at the beginning of the season, you know, they're, they're, they're looking kind of a little bit better, but again, those are against some of the worst teams in the league that they won those two games. So uh, regardless of what free Jacks come out onto the pitch, whether it be Dave or myself or just the development guys that, that trot out there, you kind of feel good that regardless of the scoreline, we will come out on top. And my key to the game is this. Um, I really liked the key to the game last week. I think it really exemplifies what we're trying to do here with these inferior opponents that are coming to Fort Quincy. And I'm going to go back with this one because it went so well against Utah. Roll them boys 2.0 is my key to the game, which means stomp on them. Don't let them, you know, get back it. Don't let them, you know, get the lead. Control this game just like we get it against Utah and roll them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my my key to the game is just, you know, a, a little variation of the old uh, familiar adage. It is score early and score often. Love it. Love let's it. let's get that offense really clicking. We know it's there. Not that it hasn't been, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I think that if we get up 
and you know we can score early and we can score often i don't think there's any way really for the dc team to keep up with us yes um in terms of just generating points on the board i think that we're much more threatening um i was going to say with ball in hand but man we're threatening without ball in hand too we're just threatening in transition as uh coach matthew would probably put put it um, as he sort of talked about a little bit at the uh, members event, you know, those transitions are where we, we eat people alive. So if yes. we can get that going, um, I think it'll be very good. So score early, score often. You mentioned seeing some of the development guys in the roster, maybe yes, and we've talked about, we've talked about rest as like, yes. Oh, maybe they'll rest guys. And I think that that can have sometimes a little bit of a negative connotation because you know, Oh, are they hurt? Are they not fit? Do they need rest? And players, I think, can be a little prickly to rest um, as a concept and not, you know, no, I'm good. I'm, you know, I, I should, right. I want to start and play all 80. Uh, I feel yeah. fantastic. <laughs> right. Um, and so another way to look at it and a way that I framed it often uh, was, you know, rotation is good for giving guys rest, but it's That's also right. just information. Do we have information to gather about how? players on our squad are going to play with each other how are they going to face certain types of opposition that's right so another reason that you might see some changes in the roster this coming week is just an opportunity it's a good opportunity for the coaching team to get information about the players that they have at their disposal they have a lot of guys in that camp right. um, guys who are fighting for spots and uh you know these coaches they do at this point know their players very well but this is both coaches first year in you know in with the team and so there's always the possibility too that we see some interesting um lineup calls uh based largely on you know get, making sure guys feel like they have a shot um and not just feel that way but guys, guys get a shot and that helps not just them but it helps the coaches too to know what tools they have in their toolbox what they're working with yeah listen there's no better tape than actual playing a, a true opponent um you know what i mean so i'd love to see spence kruger get a shout uh and starting yeah that'd be a good that'd be a good yeah. shot yeah let my let my boy let my boy uh Eric, get some get some rest. Right, right, right. For sure. I mean, listen, the season is very long, right? And if we're going to make this playoff push, it's going to be even longer. So um, there, there's no there's no shame in, in letting a guy rest or at least have him on the bench and, and let him get, you know, 20, 30 in uh, and let somebody else uh, take the reins and start this game and see how it goes. I think, you know, we can't really do that against Atlanta um, or other opponents that we have later on in the season, uh, like Toronto at Toronto. But this is right. a golden opportunity for uh, a situation where we can get, we can see some of these guys that we don't really see that often and the coaches get to see them play in actual valuable minutes and get some tape on these guys and see how the, well they do with other as you're saying other combinations of guys out there um yeah so super excited about it. let's get to predictions uh, i will go first now i know that uh, dave was talking about moments ago like he he, lo he loves all the teams you know there's some that they don't, <laughs> he doesn't like uh, hoboken but i mean who really does except for hoboken fans which i completely understand um you know, DC is one of these teams that I think it's the color scheme. I think it's the stupid name. They just annoy me, man. Like, and, and, and people are going to say like, oh, Phil, you shouldn't punch down to this team that's only won two games. Like the hell with that, man. I, I cannot stand that they have the exact same color scheme as us. It bothers me. Um, so I, I'm going to throw this out here. Um, I don't think they score as many points as I predicted Utah to do. I'm going to say DC 12, New England 31. Roll them boys. What you got? That's, that's pretty good. I was I was close to that. I had 1535. I think we got a good 20-point right. gap. Yep. Rejects come out on top. Um, the only real 
danger i see we talked about a trap match banana peel i think is probably a better way to put it mm-hmm. than a trap because i think it would be more about our performance than their performance if yes. we were to drop this game yep um and so i i would i would leave it with the wise words of patrick chung from the members event where he said right. complacency will kill you and yes. pride is the devil love you know? it so we got to respect that respect this dc team um coming in do our job uh, there's a good New England sports phrase for you. Do Everybody do their job, job. Yes. and uh, we're going to get through it, I think, just fine. I agree. What a great quote that is uh, from Patrick Chung. You know, it, it really is about us in this game. It's not about D.C. You know, I've said this in previous games where you know that the roster is so much better than the other team. Um, you know, if, if we lose this game, and I'm not predicting that we will, and I would be – I would feel embarrassed if we lost this game. It will not be about – you know, it will not be about DC and how well they play. It doesn't matter if damn Danny Tusatala has a rocket up his ass and, you know, scores a try <laughs> by flying in the air and then landing into the try zone. That's not what it's going to be about. It's about it'll be us not executing at home in front of our fans. That will be what it's about. But that, I don't see that happening and you don't either. So that's uh, happy days, right? So um, we will go ahead and get out of here and out of this preview unless you have final thoughts. Anything? No, I'm good. Looking forward to this weekend. Kickoffs are getting later now, everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we'll be under the lights a little bit at the end, I think. It should be a great week. I could not agree more. Make sure you're all lubed up before the game. Get out there and cheer on your free jacks. Guys, if you're listening to this and you haven't been to a game yet and you're close by in the New England area, please come out to a game. It's so much fun. You're definitely missing out. Good times, great atmosphere, good people. Can't say enough about our home games at Fort Quincy. Um, and, yeah, I would just respectfully say before we get out of here, if we're if we're going to be doing chants, which we always do at the games, it's very you know awesome type of sol- soccer ultra atmosphere, let's make sure uh, to do them once the music dies down there are so there's a there's a few opportunities that we can do that after we score something like that but chanting while the music is going on is not productive um so we will really want people to hear us so let's not do that while the music is playing and um and everybody at home i've got one word for you in three two one huzzah huzzah Huzzah, Rangers. This is Phil Harris again here at the Jacks Rangers show. I am joined by John Fitzpatrick. He is the host, founder of Rugby Morning, and also uh, the super fan that we know from uh, D.C. So uh, how are you doing, John? Phil, I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me back. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Let's talk about, because you've been on here before, uh, for the Rangers that may have missed your previous appearance on the show, give us a rundown of your personal and rugby background. Yeah, sure. So I'll, I'll start with my uh, personal background and then, then I'll, I'll tie it into my, my rugby background because there is some segue. Um, so for the, for the last 10 years, <clears throat> I actually worked at uh, NFL Players Inc., which is the, the licensing and marketing arm of the NFL Players Association. Oh. What, I, what I did was help lead the organization's business-to-business marketing efforts. So Essentially, what that meant was helping the licensing team build out its player licensed merchandise business. So mm-hmm. jerseys, bobbleheads, posters, trading cards, mobile games, NFTs, right? That's the big craze now. All that stuff, um, which was a lot of fun. And we got involved with the U.S. Rugby Players Association, and we helped them build out their licensing program ahead of the 2019 Rugby World Cup and then the, the Summer Olympics. Really proud of the work we did there because, you know, we helped get um, – player merchandise for the men's and women's sevens and 15s national teams. We helped mm-hmm. get those products into the fans, into the hands of fans. Right. Um, yep. 
which was really cool. And also neat little tie to New England Free Jacks, but I helped uh, get some product to Nate Ebner, who turned around and did a viral video that got Tom Brady involved. This was ahead of the 2019 Rugby World Cup. So oh. that was really kind of cool to be part of that. So, and I say all that to say that what MLR is doing in terms of kind of like modernizing or maybe even put in like an American spin on rugby, right? By, by reaching into the tradition, but also Americanizing things a little bit. I yeah. like what they're doing. So that includes putting the players' names on the back of jerseys. I firmly believe in that. I really do think there should be an official licensed team and player merch, right? I think that's all incremental revenue for everyone involved and it gets yes. a little extra money into the hands of the players. So my journey though in rugby started, I think like most people just right after high school going into college. And I had no knowledge of what rugby was outside of maybe randomly seeing it on like ESPN, the Ocho or something like that. Right. um, I played three sports in high school. I wanted to do something competitive in college. um, And I checked out the uh, club sports page uh, at American university where I did my undergrad Mm -hmm. saw that it was the oldest active club sport on campus. And I was like, well, let's check this out. Saw a couple of videos and was just like, where's this sport been? all my life. You know, like I, I played football, I wrestled, I played lacrosse, but I, I should have been on a rugby field at a much younger, at a much younger age. But so anyway, I had fun playing college rugby, right? Did that for four years. Yes. Studied abroad, went to Australia, stu- played with the university team there, shout out University of Wollongong, you know, played some drunk touch on some beach in Fiji. <laughs> you know, that was cool. You know, nice. so like all those experiences were cool. And Fast forward a couple of years, I even did a, an open tryout for Glory DC. I was no way ever going to make the squad, right. but it was fun to do it. I got a jersey out of it. And, and now, much like you, kind of giving back to the younger generation now. Right. I helped coach the uh, under sevens touch team for the Washington DC Youth Rugby. Mm-hmm. Uh, my oldest son and daughter play on it. So it's been a lot of fun. You know, it keeps me involved in the sport and playing a little bit. And I just hope I don't tear an ACL or Achilles tendon anytime soon. Not going with it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm knocking for you as well, John. Um, a lot of that first part, I didn't know about you, man. That's very cool. I, I, I yeah. had no idea. That's very awesome. Very, very cool. Um, so you started something called Rugby Morning. Uh, can you promote that and tell us how the Rangers can sign up for that? Sure. No, I appreciate it. Yeah, so Rugby Morning, it's, it's a curated email of some of the top rugby news from around the world. And then we put a little bit of an American point of view on it. That's a very bite-sized. So it's something that you can read in under five minutes. I send it out every Monday morning through Saturday morning. And really, it's been a great way for me to interact and, and meet folks like you, right? Two years ago, we would never been on something like this. So that's yes. been a lot of fun interacting with folks and the readers and the folks on social who, who will reach out to me. So uh, you can find us on our socials at Rugby Morning or RugbyMorning.com and sign up there. We are going to revamp the website a little bit, get a little bit better of a user experience. But yeah, Rugby Morning. Rugby morning is something I look forward to every single morning in my inbox. I, I always, I look through it every single day and it's, it's worth you guys' time because it, again, it's free content. It kind of, you got a core a curation of exactly what we need to be paying attention to as rugby fans in the United States. Excellent. Excellent work, John. I Thank really you. appreciate Michelle. it. Not a paid plug, not a paid plug. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> not a sponsor at all. That would be great. But I, you know, I understand 
probably not a lot of revenue stream. Right I mean, speaking, now. Of, speaking of sponsors, if you want to send me some cider, I'm down, man. Yeah, I'm man. Cider. We'll get it. We'll get it going for you. Stormalong.com uh, for the folks uh, that don't come on the show. You can also get your uh, your cider that way with promo code TJRS, 10% off your first order there. Um, so let's talk about Old Glory DC here for a okay. moment. Um, you guys have two wins and nine losses right now. Currently in last place in the Eastern, Eastern Conference, what does this team need to do to get better and finish the season strong? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good question. Um, and I feel like that can be answered in, in a number of different ways, but let's start most recently, right? Like we all know that Old Glory DC is now currently on a two game win streak, right? They've, mm-hmm. they've been playing well the last four to five weeks. And I think it kind of all started in, in week eight, you know, that was a home game against NOLA uh, that I went to, which was, which was cool, but they lost that one, but they had stretches where they played really well. And coincidentally, that was Andrew Douglas's last match as head coach, right? So week nine, right? They go up to Hoboken against your second favorite team. And then <laughs> nearly came back. <laughs> nearly came back, um, beat them there. Um, and then week 10, the week later, they went up to Toronto and almost beat Toronto on the road, right? So they had stretches there where their, their play was improving, you know? But certainly, I think getting over the hump by beating Utah and then dropping a franchise record 50 points on Dallas. I think mm-hmm. some of that could probably be attributed to, to Nate Osborne, the new interim head coach. But I think some of that had to do with just kind of players slotting back, coming back from injury or finally getting in the right positions. It's starting to really put together some, some complete efforts. But, you know, I think for the most part, they just need to continue to play as if they've got nothing to lose because they don't, right? They're, right. they're, they're out of the playoff stretch right now. It's, it's seeing what pieces they have for next year. And I think if you're Nate Osborne, there are some pieces there that you're excited about, particularly yes. if you want to keep this job next year, it sounds like it does. So, yes, yeah. absolutely. You know, as you're talking about uh, former NOLA head coach, Nate Osborne has replaced Andrew Douglas as head coach of DC, um, and since that point, they've won two straight games. You know, obviously, I think he came in like maybe the week before that and they had lost or something like that. But two games mm-hmm. on the bounce here with wins with Nate Osborne as the head man there. What is your impressions of Nate? And uh, do you think he will be the head coach next year for D.C.? Yeah, I think I'm always fond of Nate um, and his coaching style, particularly from his four seasons uh, in New Orleans, you know. Mm-hmm. I and also liked his appearances on uh, Rugby Wrap Up, right? Picking yes. games with Matt McCarthy and Me too. It was fun to hear his take on things. I agree. Um, you know, he had success in New Orleans over those four seasons. Certainly, mm-hmm. none of the squads made playoffs, but he fielded some good rosters. I think they won 10 games last year, just like the Free Jacks. Yep. Um, now, if had three teams qualified like last year, then they may have made it, I think, over New England. Not certain, but um, yes. Uh, if you're talking about last year, that's correct. They were, they missed the playoffs by two points, two points. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, and uh, yeah, DC was, was, uh, was zero and seven when Osborne uh, joined up. Yeah. And that first weekend wasn't officially charged of the team. That's when Oglory went up to New York and almost knocked off your second favorite team. But the team (laughs) was improving. (laughs) But I think, um, I think if you're if you're an old Glory fan, you should be encouraged by how the team has responded since yes. Osborne has taken over, right? Yeah, winning helps, right? W's over Utah and Dallas. Yep. But I really think it's a kind of a reset and more of an opportunity for the team to perhaps really see what their new identity is, mm-hmm. right? And yes. what can they build for next season? And what are the pieces they want to keep around for this new foundation? Mm-hmm. So 
if you're Osborne and you want the job next season, and it sounds like that he wants to do it, um, you know, I think you, I think he is in the right. Um, but I think if you're the front office, you do your research, right? And, and you see who else is out there because, mm-hmm. you know, you just, you, you should, you should evaluate what Osborne is doing. Yes. Um, but you should also look. And, and I think it kind of starts with potentially looking at to see what some top American coaching talent is out there, whether that's someone in MLR who maybe is not a head coach, someone in the college scene, maybe a, a coach that's out of a job, Scott Lawrence. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, but, if OG, if old glory continues to show improvement and play well the rest of the season, which I anticipate that they will, then you have to think Osborne probably has an inside track on, yes. the, on the full-time head coach job next season. So, Yeah, I, I think he did a fantastic job at NOLA. Obviously, no playoff appearances for them, but he, he you know, basically came in from the very beginning of that organization. You know, They missed the playoffs by two points last year. The team this year, if you look at NOLA, is just like – I don't know. They seem rudderless. I mean, that team, I think they obviously they have more wins than DC, but they're way off pace than where they were last year with yeah. uh, Nate Osborne yeah. and, and yeah. in control there. So I think you could do a lot worse than Nate Osborne for sure. Um, I, I think he's a great coach. Uh, let's talk about, you know, the danger, man. We had you on here yeah. earlier in the season, obviously, when yeah. uh, when uh, the Free Jacks played DC. Yeah. And um, who do you think? I mean, obviously, Danny Tuzatala is everybody's on everybody's yeah. mind as, as probably the best player at DC at this point. But uh, who would you say at this moment right now is their danger man? Yeah, it's funny. Week th- that was week three, and that was that was uh, <laughs> Old Glory enter- started the season getting fifty five dropped on them from Atlanta and fifty seven from Austin, and yeah, yeah, that was tough. Um, you know, I think that was one of the key things. Uh, remembering back on the conversation we had back in week three, it was just like, who, who? I think you asked me the question, like, what's the identity? Who are the players? Right? I think mm-hmm. a lot of it was a lot of key players had left. Robinson had left. Um, Uncle Mason had left. Um, so, and there were some depth concerns. Mm-hmm. Certainly, the captain Danny Tusatala, everyone knows him. Uh, I mean, we talked about Roberts Tanana. You know, he's a dynamic player. I think he's one of the league leaders in, in meters gained this year. You know, I think, but that's that's a well-known name, right? Like people know him. Some other guys that I really like who played really well, particularly guys in the pack, like uh, Tavetta Nkwali. He's a uh, Fijian, big okay. dude, and he's been MLR first fifteen for consecutive weeks, week eleven and week twelve. Hmm. Not the sexiest pick, you know, because he's he's in the pack. But right. when DC needs those hard yards or those hard meters. He's their guy. He's, he's okay. punishing runner, good tackler, real, real quality guy. Uh, I like uh, the back rower, uh, Corey Daniel. He's uh, he's in his third season with old glory DC. He's actually a crossover athlete. He was a, uh, he was a college wrestler at the uh, university of North Carolina. Uh, ah. interesting dude. Young guy. <laughs> I know North Carolina. I know you're a yeah. South Carolina boy, but you might like him. Yeah. Um, He's, uh, he's, he's only 26, still young. I think he even might even be on the radar for uh, Gary Gold and the USA Eagles squad. But he's he's certainly one. But I think I think the most on-form player for Old Glory DC has to be their wing, uh, Penny Lasanga. He has just been dynamic with the ball. Mm-hmm. I think leaving week 12 or going into week 13, he was I think he was in the top 10 in, in try scores in the season. Really turned it on the last few weeks, just kind of a – Fun, high energy burner. You know, like good luck catching that guy uh, in open space. And there's been some some highlight little tries between him and uh, Roberts Tanana. So I'd say he's probably the danger guy right now, and someone to be worried about if he's got space. Very good. Love the analysis of your team there. Let's talk about um, uh, 
I don't want to say let's let's roll back the hands of time here, but let's say, you know, at the end of the season, you find yourself, you know, with a ton of money all of a sudden. Maybe yeah. you, you know, your crypto portfolio goes through the roof and you buy DC and you have unlimited yeah. resources practically. Um, and you're controlling the whole thing. You're Jerry Jones yeah. of DC. How do you turn this organization into a winner <laughs> on and off the pitch? And what are you renaming them because the name is awful? <laughs> I'll answer, I'll answer some of that question. Okay. Um, I love this question. I think this is a great question. I think this is probably something that M- every MLR team should ask themselves, right? And, right. And once they have those answers, I think the next question then becomes is how do we do this without any money? Because let's, let's, that's the reality of the situation right now. Because right. that's, I think, where you really start to see that creativity that comes on the business side and fan yes. development and all that good stuff. But so I'll say just because DC isn't winning on the field right now doesn't mean they aren't winning off of it. Now, I think right. they've done a, a really good job of engaging with the with the DC business community and procuring sponsorships. They've got a great sponsorship or relationship with the Scottish Rugby Union over there. So I think mm-hmm. I think they're they're putting stuff together on the back end that maybe just isn't reflective yet on the field, at least for this season. Right. But if I had you know, yeah, if my my Bitcoin was crushing it, my portfolio, you know, all that stuff. Right. What I would do is, and I think DC has done this well, but I would continue to tap into kind of that great grassroots scene here in the DC area from youth up to college, mm-hmm. you know, Washington, DC area. It, it is a hotbed around here. You've got you've got almost like 200 clubs between youth and high school and college and the different club scene. If you talk about the larger DC area, you've yeah. got almost like thousand players across all those levels men and women girls and boys which is really cool uh dc is a is a top 10 market you know there's a lot of stability here and i think there's there's um uh the demographics are good in terms of you know money people are making jobs you know, government and politics and you know you're a big political guy yeah. um so i would tap into that i would tap into that policy a bit more um one thing though that i would love to see a bit more from Old Glory fans is just kind of more of that organic fan development, right? Because like in Seattle, you got the broccoli guy, right? You've got the right. first regiment that you're a part of in New England. Yeah. You know, that's kind of that organic, kind of that culture that forms out of just the fandom around the team. And I'd love to see more of that in DC. Um, I think some of that has to do with the fact that we can touch on this in a little bit, but you know, the stadium is way out. It's out in Loudoun County. It's much further away from D.C. It's outside the belt. It's a little bit harder to get to. Right. Um, but, you know, I would tap into that Scottish rugby relationship, right? You know, I, I know this might be a little in, probably improbable or costly, but, hey, how cool would it be if all of a sudden Stuart Hogg, right, Scotland's <laughs> fullback or Finn Russell will fly half not playing the game, just come to a game or two, come out for right. like a week or two, host them, do a couple sure. of tours with yeah. folks, meet some kids. I think that'd be fun, right? And then I think you continue to play into that international aspect of what DC is, right? The center mm-hmm. of government and politics. And you got transplants from all over the world, many of whom are rugby fans, you know, yep. that'd be cool. I'd love to see like a congressional sevens game, an international game or, or like a Dems versus Republicans, you know, get old, G, get you know, old glory involved in it somehow, right. you know, play into that a little bit. But yeah. I think the biggest question is, you know, the stadium issue. Uh, I know Old Glory, it was it was tough for them. It probably wasn't the easiest decision for them to go all the way out to Loudoun County. You know, they were playing at Catholic University in D.C. where they had a stadium there. But, you know, ideally you, you get it within the Capitol Beltway a little bit. You know, and I know they're 
there's a number of college football programs. There's Major League Soccer Stadium, but conflicting yep. schedules and potentially rugby destroying a pitch. I can see how that might be tough. But, yep. you know, and at least right now, particularly an MLR team, you're not going to get a, a city to, to finance a publicly funded stadium. It's just right. not going to happen these days. So yep. the facilities in Loudoun County are nice. They do serve alcohol, which is great because I know your second favorite team does not do that. Um, <laughs> yes, that's correct. But yeah, I think the stadium issue, I think they got to try and figure that out. The closer they can get to a younger fan base around the D.C. area, even if it's the inner suburbs a little bit more, I think it's probably probably better off for their situation. You, you, do, you dodged my last question there. What are you uh, re- calling them? You know, if you if you're rebranding, right, uh, you know, what, what's the what's the name change? Yeah, we're the uh, the Washington D.C. filibusters. <laughs> I don't know. Per- perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Up here, you know, the minor league baseball team before it existed, the owner wanted to change the name to New Hampshire Primaries, and everybody groaned in yeah. New Hampshire, like, "Oh no, no, absolutely not." So, yep, I don't hate it. Uh, I think it's actually better than what they currently have, but uh, not could, by much. You could have some fun with that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, let's go over to Dave-esque questions. So Dave did not write these. I just kind of copied what he would probably put out there for you. So um, okay. if yeah. you could extend one DC player's contract and lock them in for the next four seasons, who would you choose and why? Yeah, great question. Um, I think before week 11, I wouldn't hesitate to say Mike Lewis, uh, you know, fly half fullback. Unfortunately, he had that season-ending injury, right? I think that's derailed plans for D.C. and also the men's Eagles, right? If you're looking past the the 2023 Rugby World Cup, Mm -hmm. and if you're looking at 2027, again, 2023, we haven't qualified yet. Hopefully we do against Chile in July. But if you're looking at 2027, potentially in Australia, hasn't been confirmed yet, you got to think the Bullis is in consideration to take over the number 10 spot from A.J. McGinty, right? Mm -hmm. But taking it back home to DC, you know, that was unfortunate. It's an unfortunate loss because he was starting to get healthy. He was starting to come on. Um, I would love to see how he would have played in a, in a quote unquote Nate Osborne run offense. Right. But right. So if, if you're DC right now, you've got some decisions to make, right? Do you make a commitment to try and bring back the bullets if recovery and rehab goes well? And, and if so, and he can come back close to hundred percent, I think he's a guy you can try and build a team around, but you know, that's, Man, it's just unfortunate to have such a key injury like that on a key player when, you know, as we mentioned with DC, the depth is certainly a big issue. Oh yeah. That's the one thing that we kind of underlined in our last conversation about DC, not having a lot of depth compared to the yeah. free Jacks and, and other teams in the East and in the West too. So that's something they'll have to focus on in the off season for sure is building that team up uh, with some really good players behind the starters. Um, who do you think has been DC's best signing for this year? Yeah, there's a couple of guys I think that immediately come to mind. I think, sorry, I'm in my my mud room back here and I've got sports equipment all over. And I think a bike fell over, but we're <laughs> gonna roll on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think um, there's two to come to mind. Uh, we talked a little bit about him uh, when we last spoke back in week three, but Junior Zal, the the rugby league convert who mm-hmm. was playing uh, outside center for a little bit there. They switched him over to wing and he's been playing a lot better uh, out there. They've kind of been moving him all over the back line a little bit. I think he's played well. He brings a little bit of toughness. Um, he's been scoring some tries, but 
you know, we, I mentioned his name earlier, but I think Pei Pasanga is certainly probably the biggest person they've brought in. Yeah. Um, him teaming up with Robert Tanana um, in the back three there. And you've got Doug Frazier, who's been playing well on the wing. You know, there's they have a dynamic back line. And they do have scoring options. So I think it's Pei Pasanga. He's just been fun to watch. Can't disagree with that. Uh, let's talk about your favorite thing about the style of uh, the rugby that DC plays. What's so entertaining yeah. about it to you? I think – well, every game has been so entertaining since since kind of like week eight and week nine because they're not quite out of it, you know, like they, they're clawing back against some teams, mm-hmm. New York, Toronto, right? So I think the biggest quality is just there's no quit in this team. You know, certainly they've been overlooked and right, their record is two and nine and, mm-hmm. you know, they've had a real rough stretch to the start of the season and their season, their playoff chances are, are, are over. But I think the last couple of weeks they've, they've been – Known to put up some points. I th- you could say they're maybe a little bit of a dangerous squad. So, you know, I'm looking forward to them potentially ending an eight-game win, um, win streak here. However pr- improbable that may be this weekend against New England, I think they might have a shot, but we'll see. I don't disagree. And, I, you know, some people that uh, are smarter than me about rugby have said the th- same thing to me, is they're, they're a little concerned with this matchup against D.C. with Nate Osborne, um, you know, at the helm. You guys are coming off a bye week, if I recall correctly. You've won two games straight. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a game that, you know, some people are going to say is a banana peel game for the Free Jacks. I disagree to a certain extent, but I understand why people would be concerned uh, for sure. So I think how, this yeah, con- we had this conversation four or five weeks ago before they, they kind of went on that run. I think it would be, yeah, New England and, you know, Swampson pretty easily, but the dynamic is the calculus changed a little bit. Yeah. Maybe DC could, could potentially have a shot here if things fall right for them. So ultimately, you know, I'm not gonna give my prediction here, but I think the DC can hang in there quite a bit. Um, but I think the, the big um, difference here is home field advantage for the free Jacks. Yeah. Um, and that will definitely see them over the line. Let's talk about how do you believe that they DC can win at Fort Quincy, which is an absolute fortress. Most teams apparently oddly enough, John, don't win at home. I don't quite understand how that's the case, but uh, apparently not. So how, how does D.C. come into Fort Quincy and, and still a win? Um, I've, got, I've got three that I've kind of identified um, where uh, this is what they're going to need to do. So I think, one, it starts with uh, neutralizing the kicking threat of Waka. Right. Mm-hmm. So Waka's certainly one of the best, if not the best, kicking fly half in MLR this yes. season. Right. Yes. DC got um, they got a little exposed against Dallas a couple of weeks ago. There were a couple of kicks over their back line that exposed them in a little bit. So that's an area of concern. But I preface all that to say if and this is if Waka plays serious minutes against DC, because I don't know if he necessarily does. Right. And we'll get into that in a bit. But with Walk out there and, and, and his playmaking ability from all over the field and the guys that he can kick to with Fife and Bellacana running on to it, that could spell some big trouble for D.C. because D.C. is known to have some defensive lapses. So, um, one, they need to neutralize that that kicking threat of Waka. Mm-hmm. Two, this might be a cliche, but D.C. really needs to show a, a defensive commitment for 80 minutes, right? Yeah. Again, with all the weapons that New England has with depth that they're able to bring on with their yeah. ability to attack from all over the pitch. DC's got to find a way to dial that in 100%. You know, as, you know, as I mentioned earlier, 
DC is they've got a desire to win. They're not going to be a pushover. They're not just going to lay down for New England. You know, there's the passion is there. There's there's no quit in this team. But that that just dialing it in for 100% defensive effort for 80 minutes needs to be there. And I just don't think it's been there quite yet. And now you got a tough task to go up to New England to Fort Quincy. Mm-hmm. They're in the fortress, as you call it, and try and steal one from New England. It's going to take a huge defensive effort. Uh, which brings me then to my third point, which is you got to keep your emotions in check. DC is a very emotional team. And I think it starts with their dynamic captain. Danny Tusatala plays with his heart on his sleeve. He is out there. He's always poking his nose in things, which is really cool to see. You've got Junior Sal. We've seen him mix it up with a couple of people. Mm-hmm. We know our eight man, Jameson Fine on the Schultz, likes to mix it up. You know, he may cross the line yep. a little bit, and he certainly did. He got that five game suspension earlier, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's something that uh, New England and other teams have picked up on, right? So if you're DC, you should be prepared for the fact that New England's probably going to try and rally you up a little bit. Yep. You know what yep. I mean? New England's not afraid to mix it up either. And you know, it's, it's a rugby is a tough sport. And if you got to get under some guy's skin to throw them off their game a little bit, then you got to do everything you can to try and win a game. So I think they got to try and keep their emotions in check there. And I think it starts with, with Danny a little bit, trying to maybe a little bit more of a calmer, steadier presence for the team. Talking about rallying players up, uh, Jesse Peretti, who plays eight-man for us and occasionally flanker, um, is a walking yellow card. He's, he's just waiting for it. Didn't he get a yellow card in the first, like, ten minutes of his New England appearance? His first I, in appearance? his debut. Yes, sir, he did. Yep. And, <laughs> and, by the way, I don't know if the cameras caught this on the game, the, the previous game. Um, he, he, he got tackled pretty hard, didn't like that, and kind of rolled the player up and then grabbed his ankle – ripped off his shoe and then threw it into the stands uh, in the previous game. And, and, and I was horrified and a lot of people were chuckling, but I was like, my goodness, this is pretty wild to watch. Um, it's like WWE. Did the fan get to keep the cleat? No, he threw it to, back onto have... the field and everybody cheered. It was fantastic. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you never know what you're going to get with Jesse Peretti on the, on the pitch there. That's, um, that's awesome. What is your prediction for the game and why do you think it'll shake out like that? All right. Um, I got a long, I got a really kind of like, I'm thinking about this in my head, how this could, could work. So it's a little bit of a long-winded answer. And a lot of it's going to be um, some cop-outs here. So <laughs> one, I think it largely depends on the roster that the Free Jacks trot out on yeah. Saturday, right? So here's a scenario, right? You've got New England, they're what, seven points ahead of, of Rugby Atlanta. Um, you've got Free Jacks, they've won eight straight games. They now have the luxury that maybe other teams don't have, right? right? And they could probably start thinking about making some strategic game day decisions to ensure the team is healthy and primed for a playoff stretch, right? So, you know, New England has good depth. We brought that up multiple times on on podcasts. But, you know, in this sport, you never know when those depth players are going to be thrusted into starting spots, right? So could this be a game where New England maybe strategically limits or reduces the minutes to some of their top players? Yep. Potentially, right? So so could New England field a less than their top squad and even with a loss, keep it close that they still get a, you know, a bonus point or two? That's Mm -hmm. a possibility. You couple that with the fact that DC, you know, is not going to be a pushover. They're playing with nothing to lose or maybe a little bit more of an open style attack, which could probably may hurt them against New England because New England's a great defensive team. One could make the argument that D.C. could surprise New England and steal a win. Now, if you look elsewhere in week 14, you've got 
Atlanta traveling out to Utah, right? That's not an easy place to play. Mm-hmm. You've got Toronto hosting New York. Can't imagine that being a high scoring battle. That'll be an interesting thing to watch. So some intrigue there. Yep. And if you go if you go forward one, one more week in week 15, you've got New England hosting rugby ATL, right? So yep. look, be very easy for me to come up here and just go with the conventional. Yeah, I'm picking New England, winning at home because they've won eight straight. It's a tough place to play. And while that is probably the likely outcome here, I'm going to say that. DC somehow finds a way to keep it close, maybe squeaks one out, and they win by less than three points, one, two, three-point win. New England still picks up a couple of bonus points, um, and everyone goes home happy. John, I love it. Are you actually going to pick this in your picks, uh, your official picks? This I week? will, 100%. Yeah. I love it. I love 100%. it, man. Yeah. Listen, 100%. you know, I mean, you're you're a super fan of, of DC, and we appreciate you coming on here. And I wouldn't expect you to not pick your team, man. Like I, I, I don't pick against the Free Jacks. Uh, Bozo Six did last year for the last home game where we were facing off against Atlanta when we didn't we weren't going to make the playoffs, and he had egg on his face the entire offseason because of that. So because ultimately the Free Jacks won that game at Fort Quincy, but um, yeah, I love it. Um, I disagree uh wholeheartedly but i but i love the pick um let's talk about one word association before we get you out of here the first word is going to be rangers rangers um when i think of rangers well the first thing i think of i think of uh, texas rangers yes um baseball uh but who's the uh oh man i'll go with texas rangers because i'm blanking on the uh was it Chuck Norris? What was that? Oh, Texas Walker, Rangers. Was that? Walker, Texas Walker, Texas, Texas Ranger. Ranger. Yeah, That's nice, it. Nice. That's, it. That's my official answer. Commanders is the next one. Uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> a terrible name for a football team. Terrible. All right. Leesburg. Speaking of terrible. Leesburg. Um, wine country. Okay. Old glory. Beautiful flag. A lot of red, <laughs> white, and blue. Uh, okay. Mags um great for the sport last one here is rugby morning rugby morning uh something you should sign up for i agree a thousand percent on that and with that we're going to get you out of here john i appreciate your time very much i'm going to say one word for us to mosey on out of here in three two one huzzah Woo! All right, Rangers, tell us how we did. Send us an email at jacksrangershow at gmail.com. Continue to interact with us on social media. We appreciate when you do that. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel. All of the audio segments that you're hearing on the actual podcast, the audio version, there are video elements of this that are recorded and put up on the YouTube page. So make sure you check those out as well. Wanted to mention Phil's last ride. Once again, uh, this is a mullet charity drive for the Massachusetts Youth Rugby Organization. Uh, This has been going on all season long. I have been growing a Carolina waterfall, which is a mullet hairstyle. And uh, we've done some wacky things to it, like bleaching it blonde. I've dyed the sides blue and red. And most recently, I put a uh, braid in the back. That was for reaching $1,000 to go to uh, Massachusetts Youth Rugby Organization. The next goal, guys, is once we reach $1,500, which is only $500 away from our goal of $2,000, 
$1,000. We will be putting this bad boy into a ponytail for one of the future games as long as we reach that milestone. We're only $500 away from that and uh, only $1,000 away from our goal of $2,000. Now, keep in mind that we have a benefactor here that listens to the show, a ranger out there, true and true ranger, that is uh, has said to us that once we reach $2,000, they themselves will throw in $3,000 of their own money, equaling $5,000 to the Massachusetts Youth Rugby Organization. And when that happens, the eagle, Kyle Sequera, has told us previously that if we reach $5,000 of that goal, then he himself will be shaving off his mullet along with mine at the end of the season, and the top donor will be doing the the shaving uh, of our mullets. So that's super exciting. Only $1,000 away, guys, so please donate if you can on GoFundMe. Search for Phil's Last Ride. All right, super excited. You know, we've had the most recent home game at Utah there that we were able to attend, and now we've got another one coming up against D.C. We've got a bit of a home stretch here for ourselves and the Free Jacks, so hopefully we can extend this MLR record-breaking consecutive win streak with D.C. this week, and then we've got Atlanta on Friday the 13th, which uh, we're hoping to do some Jason masks for that game. So get yourself a Jason mask if you don't have one. Friday the 13th, which is not quite on us yet. We'll talk about it more. Get yourself one of those masks, and we plan on having all the Rangers and Continentals wear those throughout the game on May the 13th, which is a Friday. So yeah, saddle up, let's ride, beat DC, and I will see you back here next week. Same Ranger time, same Ranger channel. Huzzah, baby. Woo!